East Palestine, Ohio, again, because things just keep getting worse. Yes, they do. Um, it is insane the amount of uh, things that have been coming out. What the mainstream media is not covering whatsoever, of course, because they're not really journalists anymore. They're propagandists for corporations and the government, which are really, these days, the same thing, if you're paying attention. So, originally, there were complaints that we're, what, 15 days into this event where the train cars... Uh, derailed, leaked, were already on fire before they even derailed. And then uh, there was a controlled burn of uh, the substances that were within uh, the train cars. So um, what happened after that? Well, the Red Cross never showed up. Uh, FEMA denies East Palestine's request for federal assistance. Let's check out this article, although there is an update on this one because... They probably got enough crap from the public as to why they weren't responding to this. <clears throat> Given the minuscule size of the East Palestine, Ohio, and its neighboring towns, it's clear that an arduous road lies ahead as the communities affected by the chemical spill engulfing the area look to resolve what is becoming one of the world one of the world environmental disasters one of the world environmental disasters in U.S. history. Hmm, okay, that's kind of weird, worded weird. With just about 5,000 residents, it's clear that the, the town itself is not equipped with the resources needed to address a problem that would overwhelm even the nation's largest metropolis. While the situation has finally begun to garner some national attention from mainstream media, uh, that's a bunch of crap. Yeah, so... um what the mainstream media has been doing recently is uh, there was an article that was released, I believe it was the New York Times, where they were trying to debunk uh, all the news that was coming out from uh, the area. Uh, they were trying to deny the fact that animals were dying, although they quickly acknowledged that fish were found dead in streams, um, the breathing problems, the health problems. Uh, that the water was safe, although they acknowledged that there were chemicals that were obviously in the streams and the air. It was a very messed up article. Uh, I really hope that the person who wrote it is fired. Uh, we really, I mean, they talk about <laughs> uh, disinformation. They talk about disinformation, yet they're the ones creating it. So, let's see here. Going on... According to Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, also known as Worthless, has denied its state's request for federal assistance for the residents of East Palestine. Yeah, that's where we were a couple of days ago. Um, they basically replied with the excuse of, well, we really just handle natural disasters. Mm-hmm, yeah, we saw how Katrina went. Uh, quite frankly, I don't know how this thing still gets funding, honestly, with the way that they respond to stuff or how they decide not to. must be great. I want a job where I can just decide to do it or not do it. Let's see here. But the update for that, 
Do, 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 do. FEMA reverses decision will deploy assistance teams to East Palestine following chemical disasters. Yes, over a pipe, I see you. So let's check out the update, shall we? One day after the Biden administration rejected Ohio Governor Mike DeWine's request for federal assistance in the aftermath of a derailment of a train hauling toxic chemicals, the governor tweeted late Friday evening that the feds have reversed course on their decision and will deploy resources to East Palestine as soon as Saturday. I'm pretty sure that what the governor did was he just renamed East Palestine Ukraine and now they're probably going to get a couple billion dollars and maybe some tanks. Uh, following further discussions with FEMA, okay, so again, I really hate how Zero Hedge does this. They'll state something, then they'll quote the thing that they just stated. The governor and FEMA released this joint statement. <clears throat> FEMA and the state of Ohio have been in constant contact regarding emergency operations in East Palestine. U.S. EPA and Ohio EPA have been working together since day one. We can call that a pile of you-know-what. Tomorrow, FEMA will supplement federal efforts by deploying a senior response official along with regional incident management assistance teams to support ongoing operations including incident coordination and ongoing assessments of potential long-term recovery needs. Yeah, that's called new dirt, new wells. <laughs> How about a new town? How about that? The U-turn comes as FEMA, Ohio, told the state government on Thursday that Palestine wasn't eligible for disaster assistance to help with the cleanup effort and the toxic spill and controlled burn-off that has resulted in an environmental disaster. Yeah, I'm going to go into like some of the effects that this has had. Let's see here. I have a potential solution to this problem. Over a pipe, what would that be? Uh, <laughs> aside from just... Uh, well, I don't want to get added onto another watch list. I'll keep my mouth shut. Both Ohio senators, um, worthless and worthless, separately uh, asked DeWine to declare a state of a, a declare a disaster in a small blue collar town. Vance emphasized Norfolk Southern must be held accountable for any damages, and they won't. So FEMA's going to show up. They're really not going to do much of anything because that's, quite frankly, what they do. Um, but then we have a couple of other articles here. East Palestine resident refuses to sign <clears throat> Hold Harmless form. So this is what Norfolk Southern has been busy doing in East Palestine uh, as part of a recovery, um, oh, covering their ass. That's, that's what it's called. So um, what we have going on is they went door to door. They had their own people going to the residents saying, hey, we're here to test the water. But in order for us to enter your residence, you have to sign this form giving us permission. But at the bottom of that form, it stated that they were acknowledging that Norfolk Southern was not responsible for any damages to their property, yada, yada, yada. Uh, we didn't do this. And, of course, they're going to come back with this negative test saying that the water is fine and that anything afterwards was the fault of the homeowner. Yeah, so fortunately, there's some people like this woman here who uh, 
she didn't sign the form, but she took a nice little snapshot of it. You can find a link to that video at thecollapseexperiment.com. Very interesting. This came before the $1,000 checks that they're offering to all the residents. Attorney warns Palestine victims not to accept $1,000 checks from Norfolk Southern. Let's check this one out, shall we? Cleveland, Ohio, Norfolk Southern has been offering $1,000 checks to residents in and around East Palestine, Ohio, but Rocky River attorney Michael O'Shawn wants concrete assurance that they aren't in an attempt to limit potential larger payouts stemming from the last week's fiery train derailment. Yeah, that released hazardous chemicals into the air. A Norfolk Southern spokesperson told Cleveland.com Friday afternoon that residents would not be given up future rights. Bull something, right? Initially, Norfolk Southern agreed to pay for evacuating residents to stay in a motel, O'Shawn said. Uh, but later they started offering affected individuals $1,000 per person as a inconvenience fee. Kind of like COVID money. Sorry we inconvenienced you and locked you in your homes and made sure that you couldn't make any money while we still expect to be paid in taxes. So give us our COVID money back. To receive a check, the residents had to sign a form. Hmm... O'Shawn said, and he believes that Norfolk Southern could use that form in the future to claim that payment in full for everything. Uh, Norfolk Southern spokesman Connor Spielmaker said that the $1,000 checks are part of the initial phase for compensation for residents affected by the derailment and that recipients are not signing away any rights to future claims. <clears throat> he also said the company is not going door-to-door -door offering payments and warns against scammers who might be doing so. I want a scammer to come to my door offering me money. <laughs> Where does that happen? It's usually sign up for this so we can get access to your bank account and charge you whatever the hell we want. It's not usually the other way around. Scammers going door-to-door -door handing out checks. Hmm. He also said the company, let's see here, but that railroad is reaching out proactively to businesses. Residents are being uh, helped through Norfolk Southern's Family Assistance Center. Weird. Why would a railway company need a Family Assistance Center and the Family Assistance Center hotline? He said, and so far the railroad has provided financial assistance to more than 1,200 people. O'Shawn said that he wants a crystal clear written agreement from Norfolk Southern that the payments do not limit future claims. Until then, he is telling residents not to accept the checks, and if they have, not to cash them, even if it's tempting to do so. Some of these people are very economically vulnerable. Yeah, so um, they're taking poor people and they're screwing poor people over. Let's see here. From over a pipe... Let's see here, message retracted, uh, perform drag shows on the railroad track. That might have actually caused the derailment. I would try to um, get, yeah, I don't want to see that. <clears throat> I'm actually serious too. Hmm. All right, so let's see here. The crisis, uh, how much more of this? Not really all that much more to this article itself. But um, I did find... Okay, why is it doing this? Uh, 
I did find other articles pertaining to other videos, I should say. Uh, acid rain, that was a thing. Uh, I believe it was like 40 miles outside of uh, East Palestine. There's this guy's car that like the paint was peeled off and just it it looked pretty bad. Um, there's the dead chickens. There's the dead fish. Um, foxes were dying. There was domesticated foxes. Um, there's some pretty heinous videos of uh, people going to streams, throwing stuff in the streams, and you can obviously see chemicals floating up to the surface. If the trains can't run on time, things... Wait. wait. If, the, if the trains can't run on time, things will get fixed... I'm not understanding the logic behind that one. Um, I don't know if that's pertaining to like a joke about communism. Because like, what was it? The trains operate on one day, but they don't on another. Is that kind of what you're getting at? I don't know. Um, so yeah, East Palestine. And then there's the, yeah, there's the, also the conspiracy so, um, one thing that hasn't come up, and I've been thinking about this quite a bit when it comes to this situation, is that it's an area of Ohio that not only has a lot of Amish, but it's primarily white. I haven't seen any black people on TV saying like, oh my God, my eyes are burning the, the, the clouds. What did these white people do? Um, it's primarily white. And we know how the Biden administration likes to uh, have their equality and diversity. And um, yeah, they're not really big on helping white people. Just saying. I'm just stating the obvious. They definitely have an issue with helping uh, white people. Um, I think they should be concentrating on helping Americans. That might be a good idea. But uh, for some reason... These people have this weird idea in their heads, I believe it's called racism, where if you are a certain skin color, they treat you differently. So um, if you hit Norfolk's bottom line, they will give more effort to resolve issues. Uh, all comes down to the dollar. Well, here's the funny thing about that overpipe, is that before this happened, Norfolk Southern actually shorted their own stock. For the last couple of years, they've been doing stock buybacks instead of taking that extra money and, I don't know, investing in uh, <clears throat> equipment, their employees, regular maintenance. We kind of saw how that went, but it was for the sole purpose of doing stock buybacks and making their shareholders happy. So um, when it comes to their bottom line, um, this disaster actually made them money it sounds very messed up but they profited off of this disaster i i can't make this crap up like this is they're systematically destroying the infrastructure of the country and they learn how to make a dollar off of it it just yeah it's completely mind-blowing um, this is what's happening. And, um, so not only are they, uh, profiting off of this, they seem to have known this was going to happen. You don't usually sh shorten the stock 
um, in trade unless you know it's going to go down in value. How do you know that? Well, you keep doing horrible things that's going to result in horrible events that's going to naturally lower the stock. <laughs> and, and this is what we get. Um, should it be illegal for a company to short short their own stock? Yeah. Because if they're really trying to improve the company and the value of that company, um, they would anticipate it going up, not down. And that's not what's happening here. So um, it's, lots of shorting of stocks are occurring as well due to the upcoming recession. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, that's going on too. Uh, inflation, recession, uh, good times ahead. Yeah, totally. So um, there's also this whole weird thing about World War III kicking off again. Another um, offensive from Ukraine that's coming up. Again, the State Department is telling a bunch of U.S. citizens to get the hell out of Russia. That's another thing that's happening. So, yeah. Uh, and we just gave them a bunch of new um, HIMAR missiles. More. Hi, Mars. And last time I checked, uh, we were the ones who were in charge of directing where those high Mars are going to hit. But but we're not in the war, right? Uh, good luck, everyone. <laughs> right, yes. Uh, here I am, Mr. Positivity. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, East Palestine... Um, it's just uh, this whole situation with uh, already they are trying to buy their way out of this as cheap as possible. Um, and the thing is, what they're testing for in the water is not what would actually be in the water. And it wouldn't be in the water right now because they haven't gotten any rain. There's nothing to actually wash those chemicals down into the wells presently. It's going to have to be tested months from now, years from now. As my dad always says, stay alert and stay alive. Yes. And keep your head down. <laughs> and don't forget central bank digital currency progress. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, if there was a time to buy gold and silver yesterday and the day before that, there's always today, right? Actually, silver's been going down. It's almost uh, 20 bucks an ounce again. So, um, yeah. Digital currency, they're they're really pushing for that. There's some speculation. Now, here's a conspiracy theory that there's going to be a cyber a cyber hack uh, um, where bank accounts are going to be right, and then they're going to come back and say, "Oh, we can solve this. We're going to do a digital currency," which doesn't make any sense because if there's a cyber attack. And um, bank accounts are affected. That's already digital money that was affected by a cyber attack. So your solution is to get rid of the physical money that you can hold in your hand, which can't be attacked by cyber criminals or foreign countries. Again, this... And the weird thing is, it's believable because it doesn't make sense. And that's how these people operate. 
Uh, dollar cost average is down. My favorite authoritarian wet dream is <laughs> CBDC. <laughs> yes. Um, central bank digital currency. Um, not looking forward to it. Uh, I, I have a feeling they're going to try to do something like this. And there's also, uh, this came up recently where there was a, a conference in Davos where Brian Seltzer, Seltzer, Seltz, Seltz, Seltz the, the weird looking bald dude that was fired from CNN was, uh, brought in to speak about, um, hate speech, what free speech really is like he would know and um, what we can do about it. And there was a comment made to him about how in certain countries like France, if you commit hate speech, you end up with either a huge fine or time in prison up to six months for saying something that hurts somebody else's feelings. And um, she said, oh, don't worry. It's, it's coming to the United States. No. How about no? How about we just say no? Like when they start trying to implement this shit, um, make, I don't know, January 6th look like a picnic. Because <laughs> um, clearly this is some type of international UN agenda, World Economic Forum BS that is being implemented over the constitution of the land. And therefore, um, yeah, people need to get spanked if that's the case. It's amazing how some of the biggest holders of crypto and exchanges are in China and it's illegal in China to use crypto. Ah, uh, yes. But remember, because of, what is it, FTX, FXT, F if I'm not getting the letters right on that one. You know, the company that had like all those celebrities that were like, hey, if you have crypto, you should use blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, and that guy was stealing all of it, not only stealing, donating your money to the Democratic Party. That's uh, how these people operate. And then the same Democrats who received your crypto after it was stolen, keep in mind, they don't have to give it back, uh, are saying that like, hey, we need to regulate crypto because look at what this guy did. Yeah, he gave it to you so why are we listening to you <laughs> uh, we do have other news but i really wanted to touch on the east palestine with what was going on over there because these people are getting completely screwed there's clear evidence of what is happening over there no the drinking water is not safe no the air is not safe um this is this is the epa committing the same crimes that they committed on 9-11 the epa i'm not saying the epa did 9-11 but after the towers fell and the air was shit in New York, and they came in and said, oh, the air's fine, go back to work, do your thing, let's get this pile of, of crap cleaned up, and uh, <clears throat> move along, move along, yeah, um, that was the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency came in and said the air was fine on 9-11, 
And 20 years later, 20 plus years later, how many of the first responders are dead now due to cancer, ailments, uh, breathing issues, um, heart issues due to breathing in substances from working in that environment that was declared safe? So yeah, there's blood on the hands of the EPA. And they're just doing the same thing all over again, except this is a town of 5,000 people, <clears throat> and they're white, so nobody really gives a shit. So, um, yeah. Uh, precious metals and crypto might be the only value in the future. I don't trust crypto. I don't. It's For one, I don't understand it. So, quite frankly, it doesn't have any value to me. Um I like having something that is tangible and I can hold in my hand. And from my understanding, if there was something like an EMP, if the power grid went down, um, there's no crypto. But I would have gold and silver. I would have canned goods. I would have tools. Um, I would have things that I can trade and barter with the people immediately around me. Uh, as for crypto, I don't know. And... and I just watched a movie about the Silk Road and seeing how quickly the feds were able to come in and just snatch up the Bitcoin that was used for that operation. I really don't trust even digital currency from being secure. And that was the whole point of Bitcoin, wasn't it? It doesn't have a central bank. Nobody else controls it. And yet still the FBI can come in, not only take your Bitcoin, but then auction it off after you're convicted and you don't have any money to defend yourself because they took it all. Okay, um, I believe a couple of states have executed bills to accept precious metals as currency. Yes, um, and they have something you should look into called, um, I believe it's goldbacks, which are actually like a polymer gold bill like a dollar uh, each one very they vary in size depending on how much gold is in them they look just like a dollar except all the designs and everything are in gold actual gold 24 karat and they come in i believe it's one five tens and twenties so each one has a certain amount of gold that's actually in it uh, nevada uses it uh, I want to say New Hampshire, and there's a third state that I can't think of right now. I think it might be Utah. Um, but you can go online and you can actually buy these. And it's one way to trade gold that is accessible. Um, you can use it just like you do your actual dollar bills. And um, so, yeah. Um, there are states out there that they're making their own gold backs. You can use gold backs as currency. Businesses can't refuse it. And there's an actual calculation for like the current value of gold and what that means the gold backs are actually worth. So it may say $5 on it, but it might be worth more or less depending on what the current value of gold is. And if the value of the dollar is going down, gold usually goes up. Therefore, you're going to actually get more at the supermarket if you're using gold backs. Beans, bullets, bandages, booze, and birth control. That's just uh, birth control. Okay. Mm. 
I could see that. Yeah, definitely. Crypto is more of a uh, vehicle for currency exchange without government intervention. Uh, I've been reading up on it. It has benefits and deficiencies like anything. It's never bad to diversify. <clears throat> uh, except for maybe in government. That's not working out too well. Uh, over a pipe, that is correct. Yes. Okay, so Timber Drifter and Over a Pipe are in agreement on that. Yeah. Um, some of the other articles I found recently. So moving on to other subjects. Oh, will nuclear war debt collapse or energy depletion finish the world? <clears throat> of course, this article is like right up my alley. Fragility is a it has probably never been greater in the history. Just three words in escape encapsulate the destiny of the world. These three words are war, debt, and energy. A fourth word will financially save the ones who understand its significance. It will also play a major role in the world's future monetary system. Can we take a guess as to what this is? The word, obviously, is gold. As the world moves from its fragile debt-based Western system to a commodity and energy-based system in the East and South, gold will assume a strategic role in the monetary system. This is why China and Russia are just buying up as much physical gold as they possibly can because they're also looking at releasing a digital currency backed by gold, which, again, I don't like the idea of a digital currency. Um... But the fact that there's actually has something behind it, I think it's a lot better than like Bitcoin, where it's just like Bitcoin exists, therefore it has value. Not really understanding that one, but that's at least what I've been told. I screenshot that timber. I'm never right. <laughs> I figure being wrong all the time will just let me trip over the answer by process of elimination. Technically, the dollar has nothing behind it, but it did back in 1962. We had silverbacks. We did have goldbacks, gold uh, uh, money that was backed by gold. Uh, as soon as JFK was taken out, they um, they got rid of that. You can still find some of those two-dollar bills, the the silver uh, currencies, but um, yeah, it's. Pretty sad what they did with that guy. <clears throat> and he wanted to get rid of the Federal Reserve. So that just never happens to come up in the conspiracy books for some reason. World War Three. War is obviously a potentially catastrophic threat since the sheer existence of the word of the world and mankind is now at maximum risk. Uh, wars are horrible. Whoever starts um Wars are horrible, whoever starts them. Okay. Since the beginning of mankind, there have probably been over 100,000 important wars and conflicts. Um, wars are horrible. Let's see. There are always two sides to a war. I learned many years ago that before we judge someone, we must walk... Walk... Wait, what? We must walk three moon laps in his moccasins. Who the heck wrote this thing? 
Uh, Egon von Geiser of Gold, Switzerland. Okay. So, yeah, he's um, going on about Ukraine. Uh, after the Maidan revolution in Ukraine in 2024, backed by U.S. mercenaries, by the way. Uh, James Gordon Meek talked about that. The only article he ever wrote about Ukraine, I will point out, um, the Minsk agree agreement uh, brokered by Germany and France stipulated that parts of the Donbass region should be granted self-government. There should also be a ceasefire and withdrawal of heavy weapons by the Ukrainians, and the Minsk's Minx, uh, agreement has never been honored. And Ukraine continued to kill over 20,000 Russians in the region and bomb the Donbass. As the bombing intensified in early February 2022, allegedly at the assistance of the U.S., Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th, 2022. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, anytime the, the media tries to say that it was an unprovoked invasion, um, their mouths are moving. It's like politicians. You just know that they're full of it and they're lying to you. Let's see here. Egon sounds trustworthy. Yeah. Uh, also, the precious metal companies are also taking crypto to purchase metals. That's also making me pay attention more to crypto, not to make it a crypto convo. I just think it's worth investigating. <clears throat> I would, but I can barely uh, function on YouTube, so my tech abilities and... Let's face it, if I bought crypto, it'd probably get lost right in this laptop here and I would never be able to access it, and it'd be gone. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Let's move on to the next one, the debt bubble. This is the one that I have a problem with. We're, what, like $31 trillion in debt now, I thought? <clears throat> For some reason, I had this weird notion that the federal government would be like, hey, maybe $30 trillion is too much. I don't know. That just seemed kind of like a red line to me as for like how much debt our national, our federal government can, can take on. And, uh, I, I guess not. So, um, I'm expecting mine to do that when I finally buy, <laughs> buy some, uh, I'm still, I've still not gotten comfortable with it yet. Yeah. Me, me neither. Um, again, I, uh, I, I follow the Ron Swanson theory of economics. Um, don't tell anybody how much you have, bury it, and then just leave a note in your wallet for the man who kills you because he earned it. Simple enough. According to Genesis in the Bible, well, let's skip that. Uh, since the central bankers have built themselves towers or structures that haven't quite reached the heavens, but both their aspirations and the money they have printed probably have. Um, but will <clears throat> what will pull these buildings down is probably not will probably not be the wrath of God, but the wrath of the people, as they realize that these monuments are a sign of bankers' hubris based on fake money, and that this fake money has not just built grandiose buildings like the Bank of International Settlement, the Tower of Basel, or the S. Hmm, Eccles building that the houses the Fed in Washington. 
Yeah, so um, he's going on about um, banks printing money, fake money, fiat currency. No, fake money has also built astounding wealth for the top few percent of wealthy people and impoverished the rest. So he's, at this point, he's basically going on with the um, Occupy Wall Street phenomenon, um, which really, that was what, 10 years ago? And uh, what did it amount to? I think the only thing we can really account for for what Occupy Wall Street created is Timcast. <laughs> that's 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 really it. Uh, Luke Rakowski at We Are Change. Like these are the only things that I can really talk about now that are associated with Occupy Wall Street. Nobody nobody else really comes to mind. Uh, let's see here. Uh, some friends uh, were in France recently and said there are crypto exchange machines right next to the ATMs. That's actually kind of cool. Don't worry about the debt. The IRS will get through the audits. <laughs> right, yes. They're going to audit the rich. That's what that's for. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. That's, okay. Over a pipe, right? Um, didn't understand how they worked, but people were using them. Uh, the world is changing like crazy. The future is now, and I missed it somehow. Yeah, we're we're just called old. I'm pretty much looking over at the Amish, and I'm like, I, I think they're really on to something because I don't like where things are heading. <clears throat> Global debt bubble of 2.3 quad quadrillion. What is a quadri quadrillion? Okay. So I have outlined in many articles these towers mentioned above have been instrumental in creating a global debt bubble of 300 trillion plus derivatives and unfunded liabilities of around 2 quadrillion, most of which will turn into debt in the next decade or less. Who do we owe this money to? Seriously. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. And how do these, I can't function my house on credit cards and debt because eventually somebody's showing up and taking everything. Uh, but somehow when it comes to the governments, they just print the money and continue more debt. It doesn't, I don't know how anybody thought this was going to work. So even if the world can avoid a major nuclear war, it is likely to suffer massive repercussions from the financial calamity coming next. As, as Gandhi said, because Gandhi was an economist? No, he was a lawyer. Uh, there is sufficiency in the world for man's need, but not for his greed. Uh, to create 2.3 quadrillion of global liabilities has nothing to do with man's need, but only the greed if a few at the expense of mankind... Uh, when the nuclear financial bubble bursts in the next few years, we will see an implosion of asset prices in the real terms by 75 to 90%, as I have outlined in many articles like here. Uh, it's a link. Uh, talks about another article. Then he goes on to energy. And uh, if you want to know more about energy, check out a movie. You can find it on YouTube called uh, Collapse featuring Michael Rupert. Um, he goes into detail about that. It has a lot to do with peak oil, but honestly, when it comes to energy right now, 
the little bit that I'm able to find about oil, it's very obvious that this does seem to be a depleting commodity. Uh, Saudi Arabia keeps reducing how much they put out, and keep in mind, they've traditionally been about 25% of the world's oil. Uh, Iran, I believe, is 10%. We were uh, up there for a little bit, but fracking has pretty much dried up at this point. So um, I'm just not really surprised where this is heading. <clears throat> Energy. As the world moves from a debt-based and fake money system to a much sounder one resting on real values, especially energy and other commodities, the balance of power will continuously shift from the west to the east and south. Don't really hear too much about that. Uh, the rise of BRICS, uh, Shanghai Corporation Organization, and the Eurasia, Eurasia Economic Union. The final move down of the dollar is likely to involve a U.S. default, even though the U.S. hubris will prevent it from using that word. It will instead be called a reset, but the whole world will know that it is disorderly. Reset will resolve U.S. currency having lost all of its value. So yeah, um, definitely going to be a shift in power when it comes to, uh, I mean, BRICS is already... Um, looking pretty good towards uh other countries <clears throat> hold on knock it off other major economic crisis for the world is the contracting energy system the world economy is driven by energy without sufficient energy the living standards would decline dramatically Currently, fossil fuels account for 83% of the world's energy. Yeah, so if it's a majority of what the world is using, and keep in mind, it's not like we can just rip out the motors of vehicles that we have now and replace it with uh, something else. I, I've seen people do it. You know, they slap in batteries and they do all kinds of crazy stuff, but uh, they don't run on anything but gasoline. The heavy dependence on fossil fuels is unlikely to change in the next few decades. The scale shows billion tons of uh, oil equivalent energy. Yeah. And it is slowly declining. That's the thing. So, uh, you can't see it. There is a chart here. Uh, it does show that everything peaked around 2020. And it's just like a slow decline after that. Uh, as the graph shows, the energy derived from fossil fuels has declined for the last few years. This trend will accelerate over the next 20 plus years as the availability of fossil fuels decline and the cost increases. The economic cost of producing energy has gone up five times since 1980. Yeah, there's no such thing as cheap oil anymore. That's what we're looking at. What was the dog saying? It sounded important. Um, he's kind of schizophrenic, and um, he just loves to find something to bark at at times. Um, we just need help with the environment, with more windmills and solar panels. We don't need all the birds, trees, or whales. No, no. Whales are important, because remember, that's how we, lighted, we, we had light in our homes <laughs> up until they created kerosene. <clears throat> it was whale oil. 
And the Japanese still love whale. I don't get it. I've never seen whale at a sushi, sushi shop. I don't know what they use whale for. But they they love hunting these things. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the last section here is on gold. What else is there to say about gold? Digital currencies are the perfect means for controlling the people in a totalitarian world. It gives Big Brother total control in relation to the people's money. This is all true. They can be taxed, fined, or or directed by any whim of the government. This would also include arbitrary taxation or confiscation. Yeah, now looking forward to that one. Thus, CBDCs are a total disaster in relation to personal freedom, but in many countries, the serfs have already been trained for this. Take Sweden, where cash hardly exists. Credit cards are used for all spending. Even buying a newspaper or a loaf of bread, most shops don't even accept cash. Uh, well, Sweden sucks. So, not surprised. Thus, the placid Swedes would happily hand over control of their money to the government, totally oblivious to the consequences. As a lover of freedom, I would hate to live under such circumstances, even though I was born in Sweden and really like many aspects of this country. This guy kind of sucks too now. Um, the BRICS with China, Russia, and India as major gold countries are likely to make gold an important part of the future monetary system. I was just saying this. Gold is not an investment for speculation. Gold is insurance and wealth preservation. Gold is saving and financial survival. 2023 is likely to be the year of gold, but fundamentally and technologically, gold looks like it will make major... Uh, major up moves this year so now he's like selling gold at the end of this so of course uh, what do we have going on here Japanese poach whale all the time yep um, who's going to hold all the heavy metals microplastics and chemicals if not the whales yeah aren't they out there like cleaning up all the plastics and everything and then they dump it on the beach when they when they come up on shore. Uh, so true, Timber. Guess, I guess us. Again, that's our lives. Runaway debt and microplastics. Yeah, remember when they had the soaps with all the little plastic beads in it that helped scrub your hands? That was a brilliant idea. Uh, then there's two... Let's see here. Oh, here's some fun ones. <clears throat> get onto a little uh, side subject here. Did a government intel asset plant key evidence in the Proud Boys case? If you are familiar with a um, YouTube channel, uh, Radix, Radix Verum, Radix Verum, yeah. She's actually making a documentary on um, the Whitmer kidnapping plot. She's been covering a lot of... Uh, January, um, the day after the 5th, and um, so she's been doing a lot of coverage on this. She writes a lot of articles on Substack, but people don't read anymore, <clears throat> so she's now doing documentaries, but anyways, she did cover this a few days ago, so I'm surprised that um, something like Zero Hedge uh, is just now getting to this. Uh, it's it's 
Week five of the Justice Department's mostly high-profile and high-stakes criminal trial related to the events of January 6th, five members of the Proud Boys faced the rare seditious conspiracy charge. <clears throat> Guilty verdicts almost certain given the government's near-perfect conviction rate for Jan 6 uh, defendants would build legal momentum for a similar indictment against Donald Trump. How many times are they going to go after, like, stupid stuff? Thanks for wasting our money, dumbasses. The trial is so crucial that Matthew Graves, the Biden-appointed U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, responsible for prosecuting every January 6th case, has shown up in the courtroom on at least three occasions. I wonder why. What would he be worried about? <clears throat> Let's see here. Trump is a major figure in this trial. <clears throat> An unindicted co-conspirator of sorts. Last week, Judge Timothy Kelly allowed prosecutors to play a clip of Trump's uh, comment for the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. And he's literally telling them to do nothing. Yep, sounds guilty to me. A remark uttered during a presidential debate in September 2020, more than three months before the Capitol protest, the Justice Department wants to portray the comment as a call to arms. Hey you, do nothing. Yep. That that sounds like some action there. <clears throat> the Justice Department one, let's see here. Uh, trying to allege that militia groups... Uh, to the former president, the clip is just another blah, blah, blah. Now it appears that one key piece of evidence was not the work of any defendant in the case. This is where it gets interesting. But rather written by a one-time government intelligence asset with unusual ties to both the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. Another group involved in January 6th. The document titled... 1776 returns <clears throat> is cited by the government to indicate the group had an advanced plan to attack the Capitol. In two separate criminal indictments, prosecutors explained how the document ended up in the hands of Enrique Tario, leader of the Proud Boys, on December 30, 2020. An unnamed individual sent Tario a document that set forth a plan to occupy a few crucial buildings in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, including House and Senate buildings around the Capitol, with as many people as possible to show our politicians we the people <clears throat> are in charge. Calling the document a high-level summary, a prosecutor last week combed through each page of the 1776 returns with an excerpt witness, expert witness, expert witness, is that a profession now? He's like an expert at being a witness? Like an ex... What the heck? Even though the government conceded that there's no proof Tario opened the file or shared it with others. Keep that in mind. There's a file that is somehow linked to Tario and they can't even prove that he opened the file. They never said that he created it. Interesting. The plan essentially is to have individuals inside these buildings either cause a distraction or pull fire alarms in other parts of the building to distract law enforcement so that a crowd can use the 
can then rush the buildings and occupy the interior so they can demand a new election, FBI agent Peter Dubrowski told the jury. In other words, an insurrection. <sighs> but a bombshell notion filed over the weekend debunks the, Depart the Justice Department's suggestions that the document was a product or at least a roadmap used to guide the group's con conduct on January 6th. The filing suggests that the handling of the 1776 returns, like so many of January 6th, was, was yet another <clears throat> sting operation. It appears that the government itself is the author of the most incriminating and damning document in this case. Should, should anybody be surprised here? I have a lot of issues with what happened on uh, <clears throat> Jan 6th. Um, for one, uh, I know for a fact that the building, the Capitol building, could have easily been locked down and that nobody would have been able to access it except they left the damn doors open. There's magnetic locks on all the doors in the Capitol building. Nobody's getting through those doors if those locks had been used. That's problem number one. So who is in the control room? Because there is a control room. That's how these, these locks operate. You flip a switch and all of a sudden that door stays shut. Some reason they left them open, which was a mysterious, <clears throat> which was mysteriously sent to government request to Proud Boy leader Enrique Antario uh, immediately prior to January 6th in order to frame or implicate Tario in a government created scheme to storm buildings around the Capitol. In the motion seeking a mistrial, as such, the document and the government's efforts to frame or smear defendants with it constitutes outrageous government conduct yeah right turns out the person responsible for preparing the document is a man named samuel arms a young cryptocurrency expert living in florida it's weird how crypto is somehow uh affiliated with this the arms resume raises many red flags particularly in a case involving the use of multiple government informants Arms told the January 6th Select Committee last year that he was worked for the State Department and Special Operations Command at MacDill Air Force Base in Tampa. A lot of the work I did for the government was in counter-threat finance or regulatory environments around crypto. I, I'm not touching crypto. If this is what they were working on three years ago, I am completely staying away from that shit. As a student of the University of Southern Florida, Arms was enrolled in a special program that prepared graduates for a career in the intelligence sector. Arms told House investigators that he was groomed to be in the CIA, FBI, or any intel agency. Uh, when asked to clarify what that meant, Arms explained that he was trained and educated to eventually work as an intelligence asset. I am not talking to anybody about crypto. <clears throat> I'm telling you, crypto is in everything. Better do your research like me. Uh, apparently, uh, the feds are in crypto, so uh, I am not touching that stuff. The whole thing looked like a trap to begin with, which is why I was telling friends not to go. They thought it, I was being paranoid at the time. Yeah, 
those unfortunate poor bastards were not paranoid enough. Let's see here. Part of that training required preparing different responses to potential terror threats, and arms was no slouch. I reported under Colonel Potter's counter-threat finance unit. Counter-threat finance unit. And I actually developed... Uh, and I actually developed for them critical research on cryptocurrency that that many have been used by drug cartels or ISIS. And so I did similar scenarios with them, wargaming scenarios of why these terrorist groups might be using crypto and how they might go about doing so. Yeah, kind of comes back to the whole Duncan Lump thing again. Um, I, another guy who was dabbling in uh, Bitcoin. Uh, that background of war games apparently motivated ARMS to do the same before January 6th after reading reports about the Transition Integrity Project, a collection of high-level Trump foes plotting to remove Trump from office regardless of the election's outcome. Interesting. ARMS said he felt compelled to perform his own worst-case scenario. Hence, the 1776 Returns paper, but ARMS' explanation as to why he put thoughts on paper is strange, at least to say the least. His reasons for brainstorming, as he called it, what might happen after the election veered from the Terry Schiavo case. Are you... What? <laughs> when government authorities are kind of confused and people don't know who to obey or who to answer to, anarchy kind of breaks... What does that have to do with Terry Schiavo? <laughs> Certain parties take advantage of that anarchy. He's, he said of the protracted legal battle over the famous right to die case two decades ago to Trump's unpredictability. Okay, this guy clearly should not be in the intelligence agency. How do you link Terry Schiavo to Trump's election? Okay, uh, riots and total anarchy in the street. No, that was BLM. Uh, to the 2020... Yeah, okay. So, this guy clearly is not right. Even more odd is that his internal brainstorming document ended up in the inbox of Erica Flores... The, a business associate in Florida who just happened to be Tario's girlfriend at the time. Huh. I told her that I was kind of brainstorming what I think might happen, and she seemed interested, and she asked if she could see it, and I said, sure. So I ended up sharing it with her on a Google Drive. <clears throat> Flores then sent the document to Tario. So he didn't write this thing. They know that he didn't write it, but this is a key piece of evidence saying that this is what the Proud Boys used in order to plot January 6th. But they also can't acknowledge that Tario opened the file. It was just sent to his Google Drive storage. Does, does this make any sense to anybody? Flora's version of events, however, is quite different from Arm's account. While he disputed being the sole author of the document, Flores reportedly told the January 6th committee that Arms wrote the whole thing. Further, contrary to Arms' testimony to the committee, she said Arms told her to send it to Tario. Uh, for now, it's unclear whether the public, or more importantly, the defendants will learn the truth about the origins of the 1776 returns missive, 
Arms admitted he cannot find the original document in his Google files. Hmm, that's weird. And although Flores spoke with the January 6th committee, her transcript is not publicly available, buried with hundreds more at the National Archives. Wow. I, I thought with, like, Obama, we are supposed to have more, uh, I don't know, openness. Uh, they were supposed to be more... Um, they, they wanted to build some honesty with people. Um, clearly, that is not happening. That's not the end of the arms weird story. He also was in contact with a member of the Oath Keepers in 2020. Arms' name showed up on a hotel reservation for James Beak, now on trial in D.C. for his partici- participation in January 6th, Capitol protest. When House investigators asked Arms why Beeks included his name in the same hotel room, Arms claimed the man had a romantic interest in him. Gay Oath Keepers. I didn't think this was going to be a thing. (laughs) Arms also admitted he and Beeks had many conversations before January 6th on topics such as the election, domestic politics, and lube. I, I just added the last one, but <laughs> but just like Arm's original 1776 document, those messages are missing too. They just kind of slipped out of there. Uh, as evidence piles up to the show how federal assets played in the animated role before and on January 6th, Arm's weird account and background in government intelligence cannot be dismissed as coincidence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we're dealing with. Uh, all these articles are going to be written by... Yeah. Uh, what movie movies does all this remind you of? Oh, man. Um, you know, honestly, I, I would say like some of the John Lake Carrere stuff. Um, but... You know, he he did a lot of Cold War stuff. Uh, I did like a lot of his later stuff that he was writing before he passed away. And um, but in this case, it's like clearly the DOJ and the feds are they're not the good guys here. They're just completely framing U.S. citizens for crimes that don't exist. It's like, oh, we need our numbers up. Well, point the finger at that guy. Oh, uh, Terry Schiavo was the coma case, right? More transparency in government. Nah. Okay. Yeah. So Terry Schiavo, um, she put herself into a coma. She was anorexic, um, refused, basically refused to eat food, um, to the point where she brain damaged herself. Um, technically she was brain dead. Um, the only part of her brain that was really functioning was the, uh, brainstem so she could breathe, uh, on her own heartbeat, all, all the vital signs. Um, and then after several years in the hospital, it was very obvious she was not going to recover and the husband, um, decided it was time to pull the plug. So here we have a woman who basically killed herself by not eating and then her family was fighting for the right to keep force feeding her while the husband was like nah she didn't want to eat to begin with so we should really 
end this by the way that it started. And uh, eventually it sided with the husband. I mean, he clearly was the uh, next of kin. Um, he was the one that was in charge of all of her hospital visits and everything. So, or hospital care. So yeah, um, she was disconnected. Uh, eventually she, her body finally did, um, pass away. And, uh, it's just like, how does that pop up in this article? Like, Oh, I kind of thought of Trump's reelection as like Terry Schiavo. Oh, this is the first time the Fed has done this right. Um, Terry was living her best life. Uh, like those people in California. Pretty much, yeah. She was like, I want to be thin. Um, I'm just not going to eat. Then she really didn't eat. <laughs> so, um, anyways, let's see if there's anything else here to cover. I... I remember hearing about this Proud Boys thing and it's just like I had to share it on here because uh, it's just completely crazy um, that they're even doing stuff like that. Let's see here. Russian balloons over Kiev. Um, and I don't know if there's really anything else to cover on here tonight. Um... Yeah, I got a bunch of the old uh, Biden railway strike stuff. Truck carrying hazardous materials in Tucson. Uh, wasn't there a guy named Ray Epps that they arrested? No, they didn't arrest him. <clears throat> I know what you're getting at here. And yes, he was definitely a Fed, if not some type of informant who was told to be there in order to rouse people up to do illegal stuff. And most people called him out for being a glowy. I remember when the Proud Boys was satire, then at one point it wasn't. Yeah, the, the Proud Boys started out as a joke. Um, it was basically a bunch of dads hanging out, barbecuing and stuff, talking about things that they like, like freedom and beer, and the freedom to drink beer while barbecuing. And then all of a sudden it turned into something totally different and Gavin McGinnis ended up stepping away from the Proud Boys, didn't want anything to do with it after a couple of brawls happened. Um, the white supremacist group then was led by a Puerto Rican black man, uh, Enrique Tarrio, because that's what white supremacists do. They, they follow people of color because um, they're, they're totally racist, right? Like they definitely want those people to be in power over them in a group. So yeah, these, these white supremacists are, are led by this uh, black man, and um, he ended up being arrested the day before, Jan on January 5th, because he entered D.C., I believe he had either loaded or empty um, pistol or rifle magazines, I forget which, didn't have any firearms on him, but for some reason, those were in his bag, they arrested him. He was never at January 6th. So, yeah, the whole weird conspiracy thing. It's, uh, he didn't really plan that one out if that's the case. But they made sure he wasn't there. And then people were accusing him of being a federal informant, which he does have a history of being a federal informant. It's all just weird. So, yeah, uh, Ray Apps. Um, he will never end up 
in court. He won't be there as a witness. Uh, as far as I can tell, they've never even questioned the guy because he's in the same office working with them. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not going to happen. Um, totally racist. Definitely. Yeah. I, I've even heard of like some transgender proud boys, which I thought was pretty, pretty amusing. So, um, yeah, the the whole militia thing. Oh, as I should say on on YouTube, the the whole um, groups with I don't know how how would you say that on YouTube without getting a flag? Um, non governmental groups with guns, like <laughs> I don't know the M word. Um, a lot of them really didn't have uh, any interest in overthrowing the government because. They believe in the Constitution, and the Constitution states that we have a federal government. Uh, not the not Antifa group, <laughs> or what the John Brown, John Brown Gun Club. That's another one. That's fine. You can talk about them. Um, yeah. So a lot of these groups, they have like no interest in overthrowing the government. Their only interest is when the government goes bad, they are able to protect themselves from it. Which, you know, you look at other countries, that does happen. Governments go bad. They start doing bad stuff. And usually by that point in time, the citizens are unarmed. They can't really do anything. You look at any communist country, Pol Pot, um, China... That stuff definitely happened in China. So, yeah, it's it's this long series of events that lead up to government doing bad things. And then government gets all pissed off that we don't trust them completely with everything. Going back to East Palestine, Ohio. Why do we not trust them? Well, I'm relieved. Our government never violates the Constitution. Well, there's a funny story behind that one. Because one of the defendants for the Gretchen Whitmer uh, kidnapping plot, really big on the Constitution, loved the Founding Fathers, would chat with anybody about that subject at any time if given the opportunity. Um, when he went to court for sentencing, and this was only a couple weeks ago, he said that he wanted to make a, a statement before the court before he was given his sentence. And uh, his attorney warned him, whatever you do, don't bring up the Constitution because it will feed into the idea that you are a domestic terrorist. To talk about the Constitution or believe in the Constitution of the United States is to be a domestic terrorist of the United States. It's kind of weird. Like, what is going on here? The same document that gives the people power to lock people like him up. It gives them the authority to do so. You're not allowed to talk about because that's a bad thing. Uh, they do a bit of inappropriate touching, though. <laughs> Wait, what? Who? Who does a bit of inappropriate touching? I'm not seeing any context on here. Sniffing timber, sniffing. Oh. <laughs> Maybe they're talking about Biden. 
I'm just glad Alex Jones was held accountable for a free and fair trial. Justice served. Um, sarcasm. That's definitely sarcasm because that man did not have a free and fair trial. Uh, he was actually the judge's order when he did go on trial is that he had already been found guilty and that uh, there were certain evidence that was not allowed to be admissible. And the, the real interesting thing with the Alex Jones trial is that they were trying to say that Alex Jones had a certain amount of time, that he was talking about the Sandy Hook event, uh, he was profiting from this, um, they had numbers and all the instances that he talked about it, but all of that information was deleted from YouTube. He lost everything. When he was kicked off of YouTube, all the evidence for that trial disappeared along with it. He didn't have anything. None of that was stored on a database anywhere at any time. So um, how, the, how the prosecution was able to come up with any information as to what he said about the Sandy Hook incident um, blows my mind because he couldn't look it up. He wasn't able to go back and see what he had said, how many times he had said it. Um, but somehow, the prosecution was able to have that information. Alex Jones, it was all wiped out. Completely erased off of YouTube. <clears throat> About violating the Constitution. Oh, yeah. Uh, wait, that's not, uh, that's not how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's, um, when it comes to the whole Alex Jones thing, you know, it's funny. They, I just saw an article recently where they're saying that, like, for a man that's bankrupt, how's he spending $10,000 a month? Alex Jones accepts crypto. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad he's able to figure out, but eventually somebody, <laughs> somebody is going to, uh, figure out a way in order to like just grab bitcoin the feds are, are definitely going to figure that out they'll probably end up taking this bitcoin in order to pay for the 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 victims of his his crime i'm sorry did anybody like did the did the government go after anybody for like their kids being you know bang banged like that doesn't like why are they going after him for it just doesn't make any sense to me yeah um so that's about man going on over an hour here and i don't think i have any other stories to talk about unless the chat is able to come up with something but um let's see here two more trains derailed snowden oh Here's a good one. Crypto is interesting to look up. Uh, Richard Hartz, he's very knowledgeable on it. Cut your teeth. Eh. Let's see here. NFL Super Bowl accused of hijacking the Pat Tillman story. And Pat Tillman is a very uh, interesting topic. Uh, I was very pissed off about this when it happened. Not exactly when they announced that he had been killed in action, but a couple weeks later when it was announced that they had covered it up and it ended up being something completely different than what they had told the public. 
Uh, I was also very pissed off that uh, uh, General, ooh, what's his name? Stanley McChrystal was promoted because of the lies that they implemented about what happened to Pat Tillman. And then he ends up being the leader in Afghanistan. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, tying all this together. Seems like every year during the uh, Super Bowl, uh, they use Pat Tillman in order to push for uh, people enlisting in the military. Advocates of peace, truth, and basic human decency on Sunday exonerated... Excorated... The National Football League's whitewashing of the former Arizona Cardinal and Army Ranger Pat Tillman's death in Afghanistan by so-called friendly fire and the military's subsequent cover-up. Critical details omitted from a glowing patriotic Super Bowl salute. Uh, As a group of of four Pat Tillman Foundation scholars chosen as honorary coin toss captains at the Super Bowl in Arizona were... Introduced via a video segment narrated by actor Kevin Costner, viewers were told how Tillman gave up his NFL career to join the Army Rangers and ultimately lost his life in the line of duty. The video did not say how Tillman died, what he thought about the Iraq War, or how the military lied to his family and the nation about his death. This outraged many viewers. Obviously, the Army killed the Army killing Pat Tillman and covering it up afterwards was the mo- worst thing the U.S. Army did to him. But the years that they've spent rolling out his portrait, backed by some inspirational music as a recruiting tool, is a surprisingly close second. Uh, Pat Tillman called the Iraq invasion and occupation fucking illegal, quote, and was killed by friendly fire in an incident the military covered up and tried to hide from his family. I remember that bullshit too. I am writing a book for first graders on Pat Tillman that contains more truths about his life and death than the NFL just provided at the Super Bowl, wrote author Andrew Marinas. Another year of hijacking the Pat Tillman story and not telling what he hate that, that he hated the Iraq war and was killed by the military. Tell the real story of Pat Tillman or get off the screen. Tillman, 25 years old at the time, turned down a $3.6 million contract with the Cardinals to enlist in the U.S. Army in May 2002 after the 9-11 attacks on the United States. He expected to be deployed to Afghanistan. Instead, he was sent to to invade Iraq, a country that has no ties to 9-11. Tillman quickly came came to deplore the fucking illegal war and made even made loose plans to meet with anti-war intellectual Nam Chomsky. Uh, this is from The Intercept's uh, Ryan Devereaux. Uh, as Tillman's brother sardonically wrote, somehow we were sent to invade a nation because it was a direct threat to the American people or to the world or harbored terrorists or was involved in the September 11th attacks or received weapons-grade uranium from Niger or had mobile weapons labs or WMDs or had a need to be liberated or we needed to establish a democracy or stop an insurgency or stop a civil war we created (laughs) that we created we can't be called the civil war even though it is something like that he literally just named every reason that they 
pulled out of the toilet for being in Iraq. That's beautiful. Pat and Kevin were sent to Afghanistan on April 8th, 2004, stationed in a forward operating base in uh, Coast Province. Pat was killed April 22nd, 2004, but what the Army said was enemy fire during a firefight. That was Stanley McChrystal. He was the one that made up this story. However, the Army knew in the days immediately following Tillman's death that he had been shot three times in the head from less than 30 feet away by so-called friendly fire, and that U.S. troops had burned his uniform and body armor in a bid to conceal their fatal error. The deception surrounding this case was an insult to the family, but more importantly, its primary purpose was to deceive a whole nation. Kevin Tillman testified before Congress in 2007. We say these things with disappointment and sadness for our country. Once again, we have been used as props in a Pentagon public relations exercise. Pat Tillman's father, Patrick Tillman Sr., told the Washington Post in 2005 that after his son was killed, all the people in positions of authority went out of their way to script this. They purposely interfered with the investigation. They covered it up. Yeah, there's... Um, when it comes to this story, it's it's just weird how it gets tied into so many other things. Uh, Michael Hastings talked about this in his expose on uh, Stanley McChrystal in Rolling Stone, uh, giving the man's uh, background when it comes to a great many things. Him lying about what happened to Pat Tillman should have gotten him in trouble and instead he was immediately promoted and if Tillman died in 2004 McChrystal ended up becoming the head of the the forces in Afghanistan in 2010 so Pat Tillman's death directly resulted in McChrystal jumping up in the ladder and um I'm glad that Hastings pointed that out, and I'm glad that he was able to um, inadvertently somehow get McChrystal removed out of out of that position of authority. He clearly had no reason to be there. Um, but, of course, a lot of people link that article to Hastings' death three years later. So, yeah, it's just weird. One thing rolls right into another. It's weird that all of these are actually tied together in some way. Article name, COVID-19 incident mortality among unvaccinated, February 10th. Scroll down to the graph. Oh, people are finding me articles to look at. The numbers are mind-blowing. All right, I will look that up. Uh, CDC website. Okay. This should be good. Let's see here. COVID-19. Incident mortality among unvaccinated. And mortality among... Okay. I am not finding it at the moment. Let's see here. 
COVID-19 vaccination and non-COVID-19 mortality. Ah, okay, here we go. It's actually, okay. That's a lot long. That's quite the title. Um, let's see here. He said the go to the graphs. Hmm. Like Timber said, be careful what you say. Yeah. I'm not seeing any graphs. Oh no, did they know I was going to be looking at it? <laughs> Related materials. Um, yeah, there's discussion. Perhaps it is different for phones. I know a lot of these websites will have uh, different layouts for different pages. Sorry, not graph table. I'm not seeing a table either. Oh, unless it is um, an updated COVID-19 vaccine helps save lives. Mm, view larger. I don't think that was it. <clears throat> uh, now I'm in references. Oh, wait. Maybe you're talking about the table that's at the end? It's below references. Okay, so average weekly incident. Oh, and it's um, kind of hard to read on here. Okay, so what we have here cases. Okay. Incident, incident. Do, do, do. If I'm reading this correctly, it looks like over time. The rules reversed when it comes to October 3rd through December 18th. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm going to have to look at this some other time because I'm not really. There's not much of a difference between some of these numbers, is what I'm seeing. Although, let's see here. This one seems to be a complete reversal. Non-something only. Yeah, that one's different. That's weird. Okay. And these two look almost the same. That one's definitely... Okay, yeah, I'm going to have to look at this di at a different time because uh, at the moment it's not really, uh, I'm having to scroll over and everything and it's just not working out well. So, yeah, um, if there's anything, there's a complete reversal over time. That's kind of what I was seeing from the beginning there. Um... What is added by this report? Okay, so as usual, it's a bunch of stuff using a bunch of big words, a bunch of people's names listed with uh, letters following it. September 1st, CDC recommended update of booster to help restore waning protection. Yeah, it's called a shitty product. <clears throat> Talked about that in another video. So yeah, um... 
guess I'm going to finish up with that since we are at an hour and a half and usually people don't really click on my longer videos but uh you know this was fun um I might actually take the audio on this and divide it up into separate shows so found it fascinating that no one has talked about it maybe it's nothing no it's that they don't want people talking about it and the people who were talking about it like Alex Berenson and uh several other people who were actually looking at the data look at the dark horse podcast uh they were really big on following and analyzing the data um they just um when it comes to these joint operations, uh, that's what I'm going to call it, between the uh, the feds and these private corporations that can do what they want, uh, for some reason, <clears throat> whoever the feds don't want being promoted on these platforms, uh, they're the ones that uh, surprisingly are like picked off for different reasons. I was listening to an NPR story in which they were discussing this. They couldn't make sense of it. Pretty funny. Yeah, because it didn't fit the narrative. So there obviously had to be something wrong, right? Do they have these those on podcast? Timber would love to hear it. I think NPR does have podcasts, but they tend to... Um, I believe they, they tend to select as to like what shows and episodes are actually released as podcasts. Um, that's been my experience with NPR, but ever since they uh, decided to promote books like In Defense of Looting, I pretty much just don't have anything to do with NPR these days. Um, plus the stations around me, the only thing I really liked NPR for was the uh, jazz shows. And um, that's not a thing around here for some reason. Looking forward to if you find anything good in that article. Yeah, I'm uh, actually going to add it to my home screen so I can remember to look at it later. And maybe I'll do a uh, deep dive uh, video on it in the future. So I'm sure that'll, that'll go over well with YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> But um, when did this come out? February 10th. So this was recent. And um, let's see here. Related materials, article, PDF, full issue, PDF. Um, that might be better to look at than... I'm guessing this is some type of summary for the most part. Um, but I'm going to have to look at the graph on my laptop in order to really make any sense of it. So anyways, uh, that's about it for me tonight. Uh, maybe write up on the Collapse Experiment website. That way you avoid YouTube issues. Well, I also have the podcast. So while I'm recording this stuff, I've got... Um, now I can't remember. It's not Anchor. Audacity. I've got Audacity in the background recording this so I can turn that into a podcast. Anyways, all right. Good chat with you too, Timber Drifter over a pipe. Thanks for uh, being in on the conversation. And um, yeah, hope to see you guys on uh, YouTube sometime soon. Later, keep on typing.